0: Once upon a time in a little town called bethlehem a special baby named jesus was born here's the story of how that happened mary was cleaning when the angel appeared the angel said to mary you are going to have a little boy you have to name it jesus she was like what how i'm not even married because it would be a little scary to have an angel come to you just like While you're sleeping or while you're doing something normal. Joseph was the great, 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 great son of some kings. I don't know. Oh, wait. Joseph works with wood and he's a carpenter and he like saws it and maybe like Joseph made like wagons and like wheelbarrows. The angel came to Joseph. Well, it was a dream of an angel coming to him in his sleep and telling him to not be afraid. She said, oh, "Um, about that, you're gonna get married and you're gonna have a baby." Joseph said, "What? <laughs> Are you serious right now, bro?" They went to um a town called what was it Bethlehem. When they got to Bethlehem, Mary was like having her baby and. They couldn't find an inn to stay in, and Joseph was telling the innkeepers, Please let us in. Um, Mary's really pregnant. They said, No, I'm sorry. There's not an inch left. Well, you can certainly make some room for just us two. I'm sorry, but we don't have any room. There's barely any space left. Mary was pacing and acting calm. Like she looked calm, but she definitely was not calm because she's having a baby and there's nowhere for her to stay. So baby Jesus was born in um, a stable with animals. There was, of course, a donkey. Donkey. Then <laughs> <laughs> sheep and cows. Yay. Is that a horse or? Hey, that's a horse, right? Girl. A flamingo? Mmm, there could be, like, one or two turtles, maybe. Smells like P-O-O-P. Cow smell awful. is going to smell like, even worse than that if you know what cow smells like. Sticky. Angels visited the shepherds and they were like, What is that? It was, it was very bright. Ah! They said, Jesus is going, no, Mary is going to have a baby. Jesus is here or something like this. Messiah right. go to the barn in Bethlehem to see. I guess they had to bring their sheep. Well they they're very responsible with their sheep, so they brought their sheep. Bah the wise men said, are we there yet? We're not even in Bethlehem. They brought gold, myrrh, and Blankensystems. I don't know how you say it. Golden treasure. I can't remember the last one. They also should have brought uh, diapers, a rattle, and like a teddy bear. I don't think diapers even exist (laughs) back then. I would have brought him a big dinosaur toy because most little kids like either tractors or dinosaurs. That's what I'd bring. And a big one, too, because he's the Messiah. Jesus is like God's son, kind of, because God knew he was going to save the entire world. Jesus helped a lot of people. Jesus is God with us. Jesus loves me. 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 Jesus loves you. You. To You. And so, on a silent night in Bethlehem, the world welcomed the most special gift of all, baby Jesus, who brought love, peace, and joy to everyone. And that's the simple and beautiful story of Christmas,
1: another example of everybody coming together and making something super special happen. Merry Christmas, guys. It's so good to be with you all in this space. Thank you for being here. They want to greet everybody who is in our sanctuary right now as we've got a bunch of families that are gathering in there as well as people who are watching online. We are so glad that you're here with us and we pray that you feel the presence of God with us tonight as we come with all sorts of expectations All sorts of hopes, all sorts of fears, all sorts of realities as we come into this place. And I know that God so loves us. That is indeed what we celebrate tonight, that God so loves us that he came to us to become one of us, that we would know that we are never, ever alone, that we are never unloved that we are never having to figure out how to make things work on our own, but he says, walk with me as I walk with you. So would you stand with us as we enter into this time of worship? And we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. jolly family in here to come forward to light our Advent and um, Miss Ellen in our sanctuary, she'll be lighting our Advent candles this evening.
2: Merry Christmas. Christmas. To a people longing for hope and yearning for deliverance, Prophet Isaiah, Isaiah declared, the people who walked in the darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. For a child is born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Today, we come seeking hope, peace, joy, and love, and we find these things in a child. God made flesh as a baby in a manger, a baby who is both the beginning and the end of our salvation, who dwells with us even now, our Emmanuel, God with us, and if everyone would read with me, we
1: live, we live as, people, as people in the in, in, between, in between,
3: who celebrate the arrival of the light that shines in lost and broken and places.
2: places, as, as, as we, we wait, wait for the, the day when, when we will live in the fullness of God's, God's kingdom.
3: kingdom.
2: Talking hope, of our just peace our fierce joy, the love that transforms us, Jesus Christ, our wondrous light. As the light of Christ enters the room, got it. As the light of Christ enters the room during the next song, may it remind us of the light burning in our heart that guides us, comforts us, protects us, and tends to us in all seasons and circumstances reminding us that day and night, in the light and in the darkness, God is with us. Our salvation has come. Amen.
1: Christ this evening.
2: I've been hearing this phrase y'all got over here that I ain't too crazy about. <laughs> it's the hope that kills you. Y'all know that? I disagree, you know. I think it's the lack of hope that comes and gets you. See, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. Now, where I'm from, we got a saying too. Yeah? Uh, question asked Do you believe in miracles? Now, I don't need y'all to answer that question for me. But I do want you to answer that question for yourselves. Right now. Do you believe in miracles? And if you do, then I want y'all to circle
4: up with me right now. Come on, let's go. Do you believe in miracles? It's the really the question uh, of Christmas. And um, before I get into too much, I just want to tell you how grateful I am that you are here. I I said this at our 11 o'clock service, which seems like a long time ago. It's been a wonderful day. Uh, and I hope it has been for you, too. I said, you know, we're at the stage where, like, we, we are sort of ha- two-thirds of an empty nest, so it's not Christmas till everybody's home. And so, like, we're there. And so some of you kind of have those things, whatever it is. You know, we're in the mix of, if it, is it Christmas or does it feel like Christmas? It feels like springtime, maybe, so it's a little bit challenging. Uh, we, uh, y- y- wherever you are on that, I just uh, trust that God's at work in that. Uh, but there's a piece for me, too, and maybe you feel the same way. It's not Christmas until we do this. Uh, And it is like this wonderful family reunion of just wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, And so I'm grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you and for the chance to do this with you. And to ponder uh, really how what we're celebrating tonight actually matters. Uh, And and as we think about that as uh, a miracle, the miracle of the incarnation, the miracle of God with us, the miracle of divine possibility and human potential put together in Jesus and then spread as a, a revolution of love to the world. We lit the candle that said love is, is important. It's the strongest thing, and we believe that there, there is enough. We light a candle to say that, that, there, that love is enough and that there is enough love. And, and then we ponder what it means to believe that. In the miracle of God with us, in the miracle of what happened in Bethlehem. Did you love that video? <laughs> so grateful for uh, our folks who put that together. And we have been talking about miracles. Um, and, you know, at Christmas, you, you, um, you almost suspend belief a little bit. where We're able to believe things that... Maybe we don't normally. We believe on miracles, at miracles on 34th Street, or we believe that reindeer fly, or we, and, and unless the, you count the one that got hit by the Christian's car this week. Uh, sorry, Rudolph. Uh, or uh, Frosty the Snowman. You know, we believe in things that are sort of unbelievable. And, and, and at the same time, on the church side of things, we believe, we are, or we, t- we talk about other miracles. We talk about the miracle of hope. And, and what it means to have, like, a hope inside of you that's not just a, a thing dependent on external circumstances, but a hope that you carry uh, inside you that then changes those external circumstances. Or the miracle of peace, when we look at the world and we think, how in the world could there be peace? We're asked, do we really believe in that miracle, that there can be wholeness inside of a human being like me, such that it begins to bring peace To the world. Last week in in church, we talked about joy. And we don't necessarily think of joy as a miracle. It's almost like this kind of side thing. But what if there were enough joy that would be the response, the miracle response to all the ugliness in the world, and we overcame it with joy rather than anger? That sounds like a miracle. The, the question of Christmas is, do we believe in those miracles? And there is a role for belief to play in this as we think about how those miracles happen first in us. The question is, do you believe in miracles? Because then if you do, then you begin to act like you do. You begin to act out of that and, uh, and trust it and don't give up on it. I have to admit, I've not always known what to think about miracles. Maybe you feel the same way. Um, when we showed that clip at our 11 o'clock service, by the way, do you believe in miracles? And one of the kids in the, in the crowd shouted out, yes, like really loud. Rhetorical questions, sometimes dangerous. Some of us maybe don't find belief so, so easy. Or maybe there's a season of life where it seems so easy and then there's another season or, or there has been a season where it doesn't seem quite so simple. Belief's kind of like that. You can't just store it all up and have it, have it for forever. It, it, it can come and go. And so I have to admit, I've not always known what to do with miracles. It's easy to get caught up in the science of it or the logic of it. How did that really work? To get up, caught up in the specifics of it. And unfortunately, the Bible doesn't help us much in wrestling with those modern questions around miracles. The Bible is not too concerned with our understanding of how the world works. The Bible makes some assumptions and just leaves us there. The Bible assumes that God is at work in the world, that, that, that God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible assumes that God's work is, is mysterious, and so it begins there. But as we've looked at miracles throughout December here at, at Broadway, we've, we've noticed some patterns. We've, we've told some stories, and I want to think about those tonight as we come to the greatest miracle of all. The Bible doesn't seem to be too concerned about explaining miracles, but it is very concerned about making us a part of them. That's the underlying assumption in every miracle story. In fact, uh, in, fact in, in the Bible, miracles aren't miracles until we become part of the miracle. When Jesus fed 5,000 people, it was just an, the miracle of an ordinary lunch with five loaves and two fish. The disciples are at the point of wondering what's going to happen. How are we going to, people are going to get hungry. Let's send them away. Jesus says, No, you give them something to eat. They round up a little boy's lunch. And then the miracle happens, not when Jesus holds it up in front of people, but when he does that and then hands it. To the people, to the the people around, the disciples, and then to the very people themselves who become part of the miracle. It's such almost a silly thing. It's a miracle over lunch, but it shows that God can provide. Or there's a miracle in, um, in recorded in uh, three of the, the gospels where Jesus calms a storm. Their uh, the disciples are out in a boat with Jesus. Jesus is asleep. A storm comes up, and uh, they're afraid they're going to die. And they wake Jesus up, and there they're again, that sort of crisis of belief. Jesus, don't you care that we live or die? And uh, Jesus gets up, he um, calms the storm, and, um, and in the process, calms the disciples. It's not just a miracle about nature, it's also a miracle of human nature. How not to freak out when there's plenty of good reason to. The miracle there is that Jesus is in the boat with them, and they don't realize it. Then there's the miracle that we talked about at Church Sunday uh, of the wedding at Cana. Jesus is there. It's the first miracle in John's gospel. He's there just as a participant in a wedding feast, and they run out of wine, which is a terrible thing to have happen because, uh, because it's a point of shame and because celebration is important. And so in a moment of scarcity, Jesus does something miraculous. He turns water into wine. But there again at that moment where it could have been a a terrible thing, it turns into a wonderful thing. A a scarcity thing turns into abundance, and people get drawn up into the miracle, the miracle of joy, the miracle of celebration. What we learn about God from miracles is that it seems very important that we become part of that miracle, and that the real miracle happens not first out there, but in here. The real miracle happens inside of us that, that then begins to change, the world around us. And the challenge then is to live like that is true when it seems like it's not. It wouldn't be a miracle, would it, if it were easy? It wouldn't be a miracle if there weren't that kind of moment where you think, I don't know if this is going to work out. It wouldn't be a miracle if it didn't require belief. The challenge is for us to live like there is a Prince of Peace even when it doesn't look like there's peace on earth. The challenge is to trust that joy is possible even when we're grieving, even when we're going through loss. And it is maybe a, kind of a point to stop and say, you know, each Christmas we have people who are doing that, grieving the loss of somebody for the, the first time they're celebrating a holiday. Um, this week, our, our pastor, Christy Allen's father, uh, died unexpectedly. And so there, um, there are a lot of you that we are praying for, we're sending cards to you, and we're lifting you up and remembering you as you wrestle with the challenge to believe that joy is possible even when it's really hard. The challenge is to hope when hope seems utterly ridiculous. And this is the miracle of the incarnation because nobody looked at Israel in the time of Jesus and said, the time is right. Aha, we, this is the thing we've been waiting for. It is... An unbelievable thing, an unbelievable miracle. The announcement of Jesus' birth came at the least hope-filled time in history, an unmet expectation a thousand years in the making. All the way back to the prophet Nathan speaking to King David, saying, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. A thousand years before Christ Now, sometimes we talk about prophecy as prediction, but I like to think of it as expectation. And what Israel did was hold on to that expectation of God being at work in them and in the world, and they carry that expectation for a thousand years. It creeps up, it crops up in various places. The spark of it will start to fizzle, and then it will rise up again 750 years before Christ we read these words, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These words spoken of over Jesus, now in expectation, only 750 years in the making. Who believes that long? Who as a people sustains that kind of expectation and expectedness? For such a long time, it is that expectation that the angel speaks to Mary. The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And from Mary on people become now part of the miracle. And how did Mary enter into that miraculous turn of events? She did so simply by believing. May it be to me, as you have said, it's sort of like, well, okay, if you say so. Maybe is isn't even necessarily a bold declaration of faith. It is simply uh, uh, the, cor- the courage to believe. And Mary, then person by person in the story, becomes part of the miracle. We become now part of the miracle. And the Bible ends expressing the same expectation. In Revelation eleven fifteen. 15, words sung at Christmas every year as part of Handel's Messiah, that same expectation, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. The Bible seems determined not to give up on that miracle. And it seems determined not to give up on us being a part of it, brought into it. And so today we're asked to believe in the miracle of God's love that can save us. And to do so uh, in the announcement that is, well, it is unexpected. One of the most unexpected places, Bethlehem. There are many of those places that exist in our world today where our belief matters and we can get caught up in how miracles work or we can get drawn into them and trust the God's at work in us and in the situation and then be called into the revolution of love, the, the call of love, the sacrifice of love that comes with it. One of the places uh, where that is the case is in the well-being of children in Kentucky. Well, almost one-fourth of children in Kentucky live in poverty Almost half of them live in households that would be considered low income. So our children, a good portion of our children in Kentucky, are at risk. And, you know, part of the, the deal with miracles is to believe that something can happen when it seems like very little has or will. We know that less than half of our children are kindergarten ready. And more importantly, perhaps half of our children in Kentucky are, um, per, are not proficient at reading. Uh, when they go into the fourth grade, which is one of the ways that we predict the capacity needed for incarceration as adults. 5% of our children in Kentucky are in foster care, and it is in the news right now uh, that we have major challenges with our juvenile justice system. But we also believe that miracles are possible and that it's important that we believe, that uh, we believe in belief as we think about Kentucky's Most Vulnerable Children. So tonight we're going to take up our special Christmas Eve offering uh, in a little bit. Um, and there is a special offering envelope for that if you want to make a gift to that. Um, and if you want to make a regular gift to the church, don't put it in this envelope. But if you want that to go to the children's home, uh, the United Methodist Children's Home, put it put it in here as we come to our offering time later. And I just want to tell you that this is a choice that we made Uh, months ago to be part of the miracle as we think about what what can we do and so often people will say the church should be doing something and it's and it's true the church should be doing something and the truth is also the church is us and the truth is also the church very likely already is doing something and it needs us to get behind it and that's the case with uh vulnerable children in kentucky we've been working with those kiddos for 150 years, the Methodist children's home, children's home began during the time of the Civil War because of orphans after the war, and we have been in that work ever since. I visited the children's home this fall, and there are there is, uh, there, we do a lot of things, but in the residential services, because it is called a home, uh, there are pods where six or eight young people who basically have worked their way through the foster system and there's nowhere else. Uh, they have a pod, and there's somebody who's who's there with them 24/7. There's somebody's job to be love with flesh on it, to be part of the revolution of love that we believe in and announce at Christmas. There's somebody's job to be there, present all the time. Somebody skilled, somebody who is called to do that. Just one example. We have transitional housing for young people who are becoming adults. We have mental and behavioral health in schools. We are the major provider of um, preventative juvenile justice programs so that we're trying to keep kids out of the juvenile justice system, out of incarceration, because we know their outcomes go down dramatically if a young person goes to prison, and we're, we're the ones doing that. We're also helping with children that are left at the border through a program called Caminos. And uh, we work with adoption. One of the, the connections that we have to the children's home, when we were adopting, uh, we interviewed the children's home uh, folks, and they said, you know, why don't you look at the Guatemala program? And that little piece of guidance, that that because they're in it, changed the course of our lives. And so like when we light the candle here in a minute, and we discover that one light can then become an infinite number of lights, Christmas invites us to believe in the miracle of our belief and our action that God has done the heavy lifting, but it does matter that we believe it. And that light can go into the darkest places. Now, often I say we light our candles. We've started celebrating Christmas to light our candle here at the darkest time of the year when uh, it, there's it, there's really a, a lot of darkness and maybe less hope. Uh, today did not cooperate with that. I mean, it's a beautiful day. And at 11 o'clock when we lit the candles, it was like just the sun shining brighter. Uh, but today, tonight, the, the sun's going down. And in a moment, it will be dark enough for us to... Feel what that's like. But when that light comes to you, it comes with a challenge, doesn't it? To believe in that miracle and to believe that you have become now part of it. This picture is of a manger. Um, not that one. Uh, but, and we believe uh, that, that in that unexpected place, where it made really little sense to hope the true miracle happened and that forever God's pattern of miracles is now made permanent divine potential and human possibility forever brought together in Jesus who is that wonderful counselor, who is that Prince of Peace, ordinary humanity united with divine possibility that now involves us. And so uh, as we give in our offering tonight and as we think about that light that's about to come, I invite you just to pray for a second. And as we pray to ask that simple question, do I believe in miracles? To consider a miracle of love that started in the most unlikely of places, a middle of nowhere manger. The miracle of an unwed mother and a helpless baby as the announcement of salvation to the entire world. The miracle of a humble God whose love cannot be stopped. God, as we pray, we consider how much it does matter if we believe in that miracle. We consider that it matters to you that we become a part of it. And so would your spirit work in us so that the miracle of hope and peace and joy and love might begin in us and that that miracle might go to the world through us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite those who are coming to um, serve with the offering forward as our band comes up and as we prepare to give to continue in worship so that um, our celebration and the offering of ourselves and the offering of our gifts might be part of the miracle of God's work in us and through us tonight.
3: Till the mid
4: Tonight, as we light from the Christ candle, we join in the expectations of the millennia, the expectations of the people Israel, the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah, on those walking in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so this light will go to each one of us with a challenge and an opportunity to carry that light into the darkest places of our world. And as we sing tonight, maybe you'll offer up a silent prayer, and perhaps most importantly, renew your belief in miracles. I'm Again, I want to tell you uh, thank you for being here and uh, be one of the first to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. God bless you and go in peace. Amen. Merry Christmas.